Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name, Dr. Michael David Clay. <laughs> Some reason, uh, I have this old saying uh, going through my mind. You can't get silk <laughs> from a sow's ear. Uh, I know that dates me, um, bound to. <laughs> Some folks probably don't even know what sow means or what a sow is. Uh, there's not many farmers, at least not um, in my area <laughs> any longer. I'm sure there's plenty of farmers out there. Um, but there's a lot of truth to that. And... I think it's important in terms of uh, not only what we live, what we understand as the basis of living as a Christian, but also in regards to uh, any sort of pastoral care, certainly that I would provide. We're all ministers in Christ, so we're, <laughs> we're all in the business of helping one another. Maybe not all of us are cut out to be pastors and and certainly, uh, that is a calling. Uh, many challenges that go with that. But, but when we speak of pastoral care, Christian counseling services, Christian counseling ministry, uh, as in what is covenant specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, uh, we are willing to live within that context of the broadest of ranges. <laughs> you, too, are in many ways in a position to lead the pastor, uh, even as much as I might be. And uh, when it comes to the Christian counseling, uh, though I may have some secular training you do not have, I certainly have no inside track, as they also used to say, to the Word of God or the understanding therein. Uh, God's Word is distributed liberally. I believe that's James. Uh, he does not withhold his wisdom from us. Um, we just have to ask for it. But getting back to you can't get silk from a sow's ear. If there wasn't something in you to begin with, there's never going to be anything worth anything that's going to come out of you. Uh, I do believe that there are some individuals who refuse to believe that, uh, and maybe for some good reasons. Uh, I'd hate to think in such fatalistic terms that I am bound, trapped in uh, any sort of material way, imprisoned, uh, either by myself, the body that I've inherited, the brain that God has given me, and some of which I've lost over the years, it seems. Uh, my biochemical composition, my psychological composition, my human soul, human dimension. Neither would I want to think I was bound by my situations or circumstances. Um... Where I was born, <laughs> who my parents were, <laughs> did they grow up on a farm? 
were they city folk? Were they well-educated? Were they not so well-educated? Did they graduate school? <laughs> Was it elementary school? Junior high, used to call junior high, middle school, high school, college, technical school, apprenticeship. There's just so many variables. Did, did, did they marry? <laughs> did they not marry? Did they date? Did they not date? Did they have a teacher who was a good teacher? Did they have a teacher who was a bad teacher? Good being somebody who really facilitated, encouraged, nurtured their growth and development, supported them, affirmed them, edified them, or one who, who was all about criticizing them. You get the picture. That would be unfair because the material dimension is not equal for everyone. And I would want to believe that there is a certain responsibility we all have, as they also used to say, to make the best of a bad situation. Which means do the best we can. All of those things can restrict and limit, and some more so than others. Clearly, if your IQ points are a little lower than someone else's, you're probably not going to be able to accomplish with the same measure something that requires higher IQ points. We could make it about the physicality in a bodily sense, although the brain is part of the body, psychological operations, intelligence. But physically, if you're not strong, you can't lift as much as somebody who is stronger. But even as we go there, who could do anything but remember or recall, who knows the Bible, who has a relationship with God, just the story of David. Uh, probably all of those things, as much as any might come together, would suggest David should never have been a king. He had none of the makings of a king. Physically, although I think he was pretty smart, uh, it wasn't intelligence. Uh, and actually, his smarts at times got him in trouble uh, because he thought too much about things that otherwise probably he shouldn't think so much about. David was blessed. He was talented. Uh, I know he was well put together, but so are you. <laughs> he was human. We're all human. And not all humans are created in that way equal. But the one thing that we are created equal in is spiritual. Has nothing to do with the flesh, the body, or any of the constructs, psychologically speaking, human soul dimension even, that go along with that. The one thing we're equal on is the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit. What is our attitude when it comes to, and you know, attitude to could be dependent somewhat on exposure, socialization, how you were brought up, who you were brought up with, situations, circumstances of your life, um, 
A lot of people suffer and endure pain over the course of their life that others don't have. That tends to salt them in not such the good way. Um, but when I speak of attitude, it is a mindset. And really, that's what the program, the podcast today is about. The mindset. It's the way we look at it. But it all begins with this central premise. In God's eyes, we're all equal. Not because everything in the flesh is the same or intention to be the same. But that when we have the mind of Christ, the mind of God, established, when we are learned in the word, Old and New Testament, and I don't want to just limit studies to just that, but if it's not grounded foundationally in Old and New Testament, it's not going to make so kind of a sow's ear. It's not going to be worthy then. It will not withstand. It will not endure wood, hay, and stubble. The purge, the, the process of purge, I say purge as withdrawals, but the sanctification the removal of the impurities, the refinement that really life is. But the refinement isn't so that everything that I ever would have wanted or anything that otherwise that I would have a will to change or not allow in a material sense to hold me back or keep me from accomplishing the most and the best that God has in store for me. <laughs> king, king. For a day, maybe. I don't know. I don't even get to be king for a day. It doesn't seem. Um, not even birthdays. <laughs> but in a material regard, there's always going to be a lesser. And in the end, it obviously can't matter too much because in the end, everything material changes. <laughs> it doesn't stay the same. Well, look at this thing I've accomplished. Look at the degree. Look at the uh, knowledge. Look at the accomplishments again. Look at who I married. Look at the house I live in. Look at the car I drive. <laughs> look at the salary. Look at the church I attend. Look at the positions I hold of influence. Now, it wouldn't matter anything to me, but if you're a teenager... If you're on YouTube, you're everything. You're an influencer. You play professional sports, you're everything. You're an influencer. If you're in the movies, on, again, television, although I don't know that television really matters much anymore because there's YouTube and so many other outlets, certainly broadcast, doesn't matter as much. But those are the folks that we seem to respect. If you hold a political position, again, socioeconomically, if you're in the highest or higher percentiles, if you're CEO, could also be, has nothing to do with money, but if you're really, really good at something, singing, could be fishing. My son loves to fish. Right now, at this particular moment in his life, everything is about catching a fish. <laughs> I'm not a good fisherman. 
He still respects me as his father, but I lost some cred when he got to this point where he wants to be the best fisherman he could be. But that too shall pass. There'll be other things that come along. And yes, there's some things that are more noble. Parenting, that's a noble guess profession to be a parent is somewhat of a profession um we started out that way pastoral care speaks to the parenting the leading the guiding the taking care of Uh, god is a father our father that's parental but even parenting has its limits when it comes to the divine and the spiritual. Because when we get to heaven and in a spiritual realm, there's none that are above or below us. We're all equal in God's eyes, but only in spiritual dimensions. Everything else is a matter of human judgment. And again, I don't want to curse that necessarily, uh, it's important. We should be the best we can be in a material regard. We should be the best example of Christ. We could be in a material regard. We should set our mind to studying the Word of God, Old and New Testament, to have that good foundation so that we might then build a life upon it, choose jobs and spouses and what we want to devote our life to, what what we consider to be our profession. I uh, mentioned parenting. Uh, many people serve the church. They serve their neighbors. They do the Ten Commandments. They perform the Ten Commandments the best of their abilities. What is wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. But the curse would be that somehow we come to the conclusion or our paradigm, the way we've been taught, the way we've come to think of how to live our life, is only based on our works. What we can accomplish, what we can do, what it is that we choose to do with our life. And it is that to the point of service to God, it is that to the point of having in that to accept Jesus Christ as precursor to righteous service, righteous worship, to successful living. But if you were to ask any of the disciples, the New Testament church, if it was in the money, most of them not having it, would probably tell you no. If it were in your freedoms or your liberties, most of them were oppressed, (laughs) politically so, and not only in terms of politics, physically, literally so, they, their land, their promised land was under siege. (laughs) It had been more than under siege. It had been conquered. They were part of the Roman Empire. And they did what Caesar 
thought was the best to do, what the Roman Empire thought was best to do. Now, the Roman Empire was probably as successful as it was because there was great tolerance outside of service to Rome. You could do anything you wanted to. You could worship anything you wanted to worship as long as it didn't come in conflict with either the emperor or the Roman political system. What kept the Roman Empire connected, strong as it were, as it was, as it were then in that time, and probably in some ways, it's still the same today, politics being the way it is, uh, people being the way they are, nations being the way they are, the world stage. It really hasn't changed much, though there are many more. Uh, it still works the same basic way. But the people in Jesus' time knew fully well, and particularly the disciples knew fully well. It was not going to be a material accomplishment, and it was probably not going to be anything they were capable of doing. If I had to pick one, he didn't even really hang out directly with Jesus while Jesus was immaterial dimension in the flesh. He certainly had audience with Christ. And even as so, when Jesus ascended up into heaven and the Holy Spirit was delivered fully unto the disciples post the upper room, the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Paul prayed, had relationship, conversation with Christ. But of all the disciples, the apostles, I should call them specifically, Paul probably had the greatest will to accomplish in the flesh, the greatest opportunities to accomplish in the flesh than any of the others, if only because he had succeeded to become Pharisee among Pharisees. And God did use him, but he didn't use him to instill or to um, counter, come to some sort of political movement, social movement to counter the Roman Empire, not at least in physical dimensions. And with that, <laughs> Paul couldn't do anything he wanted to do. There were many that had much more freedoms than Paul did. But did far less for the church. Did far less for the worshiping of God. The promotion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did far worse for foundationally establishing the kingdom of God and thus, as with Holy Spirit, ushering in the kingdom of heaven even in the steps following after Jesus the Christ. Paul was a pastor. <laughs> he didn't claim that. I don't know that he claimed a particular church. I know he didn't. But that's the whole point. You know, we have churches, we have pastors, but we're all part of the body. And I do believe the Apostle Paul came to a realization that it would be better that all would be not only like Christ, 
but in more material regards like him. He did not wish to hold any back. And should we see any frustrations exhibited in any of Paul's epistles, letters to the church, his conversations, as they are written down, it would be, be more. <laughs> Do more. Be unto others as, as Christ has been unto you. Fulfill the two great commandments. And again, Paul would know that. He would know it probably first and foremost, foundationally again, as with the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments. But he understood once you learn what they are, you do the best you can to live them. That was his paradigm. And he tried to teach others to do that as well. But even so, most of us still have a hard time, difficult time, understanding how it all rightly fits together. And that though all of us might not be the Apostle Paul, and all of us might not want to be the Apostle Paul, none of us might ever get to Caesar, nor speak to any world leader, the President of the United States, maybe even the mayor of your city or your municipality, county commissioners. Again, you get the point. But what we can be, though, is we can be part of the body of Christ. And in that, we can recognize that there is none better and none worse. It all has to be Christ. And Jesus thought not of himself better, but yet subjected himself with intention purpose being to be that advocate we need to have with the Father. If there is any that is high and lifted up above us all, it would be God the Father. The rest of us, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, are one and the same. All men are created equal, but not materially, or at least not in material measure. So we need to stop thinking of it in those terms lest we get caught up in judgments. And you know what comes from judgments comes prejudices. Lest we get to the point where we think we are better than someone else. Maybe we deserve this, either in a good way. I've worked really hard. Works again. I've accomplished these things. I deserve this, and if I'm not getting it, then I'm upset, or if I get it, it's because I'm special. I'm unique. I'm above everyone else. I'm in a position of influence, and it's okay for me to influence you. I don't even have to do that out of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. I do, but I'm speaking as with someone who might not otherwise know Jesus, and I'm stupid enough, ignorant enough not to give God the glory. Humility becomes us, a humble and meek spirit. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The meek shall inherit the earth. I don't want to be better than you. I don't want to be better than you materially. 
I don't want you to measure me by a credential. I don't want you to look at me because of something I have or don't have in the way of some sort of social status, financial status, any material dimension. (laughs) I want you to look at me as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what I'm trying to do with the podcast today. But even that is not bound only to my knowledge of the Old and New Testament. It helps if only for the purposes of cooperating, not getting in the way of the Holy Spirit, who is my only legitimate claim to fame. It's not mine, though. It's Jesus. I have to cooperate. I have to repent. I have to say I am sorry. I have to confess my sins. I have to confess my iniquity, which basically is to do this thing we're talking about. The human nature is to exalt humanity. And all of us do it. Some more, some less, but only by the power of God and this perspective, this attitude that we're speaking of today, can we then rightly approach the throne, rightly enter into his rest, to know that Jesus suffered the same feelings of our infirmity because he was human, but he was not of the same persuasion to iniquity. And if he even were to have been in his flesh, Christ was God, Emmanuel, in flesh. And what distinguished him from the rest of us? He came to die for us. He didn't come to be king because he came to die for us because God sent his son so that we might know salvation, redemption, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the love of God, the fruit of the Spirit, the manifestation of that mindset, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the intentions of the Old Testament that would should be and would be manifest in the New Testament church of not only an attitude, but in that not only a mindset, a paradigm, but in that, the opportunity to live as Christ. Again, the Apostle Paul. There's nothing wrong with David being king, except being king in a material sense didn't save anybody. I need to be careful. I'm sure it was part of, certain, it was part of God's sanctification process, and in that way it did. But the king cannot save. The president cannot save. The politician cannot save. The sports figure cannot save. The movie star cannot save. The YouTube influencer cannot save. The Holy Spirit saves. And in that, we are all equal in Jesus Christ. I've tried to be very careful to stay out of controversial sort of waters, contentious waters, turbulent, troubled waters. But (laughs) I 
I can't resist. I have taken some of that on by basically saying Christian counseling is better when you know how to counsel, when you've gone to school, when you understand the human nature. But you don't need to go to school to do that. Pastoring is better if you go to seminary and you get the degree and you understand the Hebrew and Greek and you can appreciate the context in which it was written and what that speaks to in terms of the human accomplishment or if you want to call it evolution, the evolution of the species, human species. But the human species without the Holy Spirit, without Jesus Christ, without the gospel of Jesus Christ and accepting Jesus as the Christ, as Lord and Savior, which is really the mind of Christ, which is really this attitude, (laughs) we're not going to save anybody. The contentious part, the troubled part of all that is not necessarily for you, the listener, unless you happen to be a counselor who would want to somehow exalt oneself or hold oneself above anyone else. Or you might be the pastor, or you might have worked really hard, which credit should be given you for your degrees. It's important that people understand what I have learned, what I have put into my education and gotten out of my education has to have some value to me or I wouldn't have done it. But when it really comes down to it, none of that saves. What saves is this idea that we're all to be one in Christ Jesus, not in who we are in our humanity, but who we are in the Holy Spirit. Our identity established in the Holy Spirit. And if we minister out of the Holy Spirit, then we minister out of not only the mind of Christ, Not only the mind of God, which would be for translation purposes, us. So we might know and understand humanly what that is. So we can, again, try to approximate it, to cooperate, to know the difference between these people who are in a position of influence but are lost, have no idea about what saves, no idea about life. They're pastoring, but they're (laughs) they're not the good shepherd. (laughs) They're the one that takes you to hell. There's nothing good going to come from any of that unless they can establish clearly, and not only by their words, but more so by their attitude, the way they look at you, the way they look at life, the way they look at me, the way they ask us to look at one another. And with that, they have to live it. Nobody who otherwise lives in a bubble has any idea what it's like to live in the real world. Which doesn't mean they can't be philanthropists. Which doesn't mean they can't give to charities. Which doesn't mean they can't have some social awareness. Which may not mean that they don't have some conviction to make the world a better place. But the world is never going to be a better place out of anything material. Money will not solve it. 
taking from the rich and giving to the poor. Though it is a good pursuit, a good endeavor, it's not about that if it's about anything but compassion for the poor. It's not whether they have money or not. It's whether they're suffering. Do they need comfort? We're salt and light. But it's not only in words, it's in actions and deeds. It includes words. Work ethics are important. There's much ministry to be done and will require, as you should figure out by now, in our podcast discussion today, it's going to require sacrifice. But not of your material so much as your attitude. Now, it may take every dime you have to fulfill the mission that God's called you to. It may take only your 10%. I don't know. It's not mine to tell you. But it is mine to remind you that it does not matter how many dimes you have. And what's a dime worth anymore these days? How many dollars you have. Just like it does not matter whether you can shoot, pass, score, whether you can trade stocks, persuade, run companies, organizations, run nations, or even run the world. Whether you can literally heal, as with physicians, medical doctors, or not. Not because... Any of that isn't important, but only because if you don't do it out of the Holy Spirit, you're not doing it with any purpose that God would hold in great esteem in mind. It's all about you. It's all about your doctrine. It's all about what you think matters. And in the end, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You can step back and say, well, you know, I gave everything I had to the poor. And I followed after Jesus. Sound familiar? Yes, it's the rich young ruler. But I don't know that that's all that Jesus was trying to get at. What Jesus was trying to get at is, rich young ruler, do you believe in me enough to do what I tell you to do? And what do I represent? Again, remember, in Jesus' day and time, he was everything. He was Rich, he was youthful, and he had influence. Now, for all of you who are (laughs) either poor, older, I'm pretty sure that you don't have any real significant influence, you know what I'm talking about. But we all end up there. Yes, there are such things as legacies that extend beyond your death, but even they have a limited scope of time before they too will die with you. With you. <laughs> Who reads books anymore? Well, they, people read books. But they don't seem to be at all history-oriented or interested in history. It's just what can exalt us now? How can we get gratification now? How can we feel really good about ourselves now? Why compare me to that person in the past? Look, 
They didn't have this. They didn't know that. They were not evolved. They didn't have the education that we have today. They didn't have the knowledge that we have today. They are not what we are today. Look at me. Look at us. We're the most beautiful things on earth. (laughs) That comes right out of the devil's mouth. Does it not, scripturally? You have to listen and be willing to then follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because then and only then will a righteous outcome ensue. Then and only then will that be true worship. They that worship God, worship him in spirit and truth. We cast our crowns, but what is our crown? (laughs) It's our glory. But whose glory is it? It isn't mine. It's God's. And more specifically, when it comes to humans, it's Jesus. Jesus is. Not only the Christ, Jesus is. Not only God, Jesus is. Not only God, but the Holy Spirit. Jesus is everything to God and should be everything to us. It's not about you, but good news. It's not about me. It's not about riches. It's not about fame. It's about Jesus. And what is it about Jesus? It's about then how we are one in Christ, equal the same. How we should love one another. There's only two commandments Jesus gives us. To know and worship the one true God, to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and human dimension of spirit. And then to do what you know that compels you to do out of the Holy Spirit. To love others as you love yourself. Is it a kind word? Certainly. What is a kind word? You know, they may not return it. Some people get offended. Sometimes I get hurt by that. But what's a kind word? What's a kind act? Opening a door. What's manners? (laughs) What's civility? What's laying down your life for another? What's service? What's putting yourself in a position of every day? Taking on the risk of mortality. First responders, police officers, firefighters, soldiers. I mean, there's just so many things that people do that there's no compensation for that has to be out of the Holy Spirit. So what is your reasonable service? (laughs) Love others as God loves you. As he has brought love to you, as you love yourself, not with exaltation of self, but humility. Now, if you come see me, I'm going to do everything I can to use everything I know I have been trained to do to help you. And yes, what brain is still there and operational, what IQ points I still retain after all these years, they'll be applied to your situation and circumstance. 
But it won't be out of my human intellect. It will be out of the Holy Spirit. But you can do that with your spouse. You don't need me. You can read the word. You can share the word. You can study the word. The word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, dividing asunder. Of soul and spirit. It's amazing what the word of God does. But it's not you. It's not even the weapon, so to speak. It's the Holy Spirit that inspired the word. So why would it not have that power? It never comes back void. But it's in you. You don't have to go to school to earn it. You don't even have to study the Bible to operate in it. It helps because it is a constant spiritual battle with your flesh. Pride and ego and exaltation of self. And again, I don't want to throw rocks. I'm not going to stone you. Why? Because I know what that feels like. When you're feeling as if nobody respects you or what you've done, don't grow weary in your well-doing. Don't let that and their rejection of you cause so much pain that you have to resort to telling yourself, oh, look what I am, but I've done this. Again, it makes sense. But when David encouraged himself in the Lord, it wasn't himself that he encouraged himself with. As I said earlier, David had nothing to do with getting to be king. It was all God. But once David got to that place, and David, being a man after God's own heart, that was the only reason he was able to be that, take down Goliath, because he'd spent all those days shepherding the sheep, fighting, protecting the sheep from the natural predators that existed. But it was his heart. But the moment that his heart turned to himself, the moment that it became of his own strength, even as he would count then the people so that he would know just how strong he were, was, were to have been, that was the moment that the kingdom began to be rent from him. And certainly when he committed the, I guess, ultimate of sins for David, when he took Bathsheba and had Uriah killed, putting him in a situation of risk that he knew would mean certain death. God said, wait a minute, David. You're not thinking about me. You're not thinking about the people. If you can expend a life. And there had been plenty of blood on David's hands. It wasn't that he was passive or didn't raise the sword. But there is a time, and it's righteous for those type of conflicts and for those type of outcomes. But when the innocent's killed just for the sake of vanity or personal indulgence or selfish ambitions or just to even feel good, <laughs> to please the flesh, you got a problem. David had his heart realigned. God forgave him. David repented. 
but the kingdom was still taken from him. And though Solomon may not have done, well, he did do the exact same thing. I said the same kind of thing. Well, he had his brother killed. And it was Bathsheba, too, that was involved in that poor old Bathsheba. The message here is, it's in us to kill. It's in us to kill so that we won't either die or so that even in our dying, we still get the one up. It's not God's way. The only one that goes up is Jesus and us in him. And the only reason we can ascend, aspire to such things as God would be, the throne room of God is because we do have an advocate with the Father and we are established in Christ Jesus. So can you get silk out of a sow's ear? (laughs) No. But what you can do is you can realize that the silk is already there, but it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. And if you're anything, you're the sow's ear. If anything, you're the pig in the mire, the prodigal son. Come home. It's in you. The Holy Spirit, he is in you. You just have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior to realize that. Accept the gospel of Jesus Christ. And be willing to do even as, again, Christ's example. We are ambassadors of Christ. God loves us, but he loves Christ. And he sees our needs, but he sees our needs through the filter of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. If you need anything, seek Jesus. <laughs> should say that, right? But if you want anything from me, you can certainly reach out to me. And the good news is I'm going to remind you that you're more than what Otherwise, your body or your flesh might lend you or someone else might, looking at your body and flesh, try to tell you that you are. You're one in the Holy Spirit as you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I will remind you of that. You want to come see me? That'd be great. Love to talk with you personally. Love to get to know you personally. Love to help personally. Uh, If you want to email me, I always post the email address. And of course, the invitation would be, if for whatever reason you could not uh, come see me or do not want to or would not want to email me, I would want to encourage you to join us for the next podcast. And what have you been listening to? What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry? And once again, who am I? I'm Dr. Michael David Clay. Thanks for joining us today.